Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, this is Ollie telling you about another podcast I host, Unfiltered. It's an interview show. We've talked about sex work, addiction, and battering racists, and we're only a few episodes in. Some of the guests so far, One Direction's Niall Horan, GOAT footballer Viv Miedemar, and Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan. Just search Unfiltered with Ollie Dugmore wherever you get your podcasts. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show podcast. Love podcasts, hate nonsense. It's the Politics Joe podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, it's just you and me, Ed. Just yep. you and me. It all goes loud. You can't buy class like this, my friend. Absolutely. How are you? Dudes, Boys only. Dudes fucking rock. Dudes rock. Cheers. Finally, once and for all. Yeah, this will be the lineup going forward. Um, <laughs> our, our viewership is just plummeted. <laughs> like uh, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Mm. Very well, thank you. Very well. Um, all the better for that that lovely, lovely old beer in my mouth. Yep, delicious. <laughs> um, how was your weekend? Weekend was good. Um, we separately, but we did have both seen Oppenheimer. Mm. Did you used to say Oppenheimer. Op- <laughs> yeah, in the original German, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think um, I'm fully pro the bomb. Oh, okay. That was sure. my takeaway. I was gonna. We, we were talking about um, on the desk earlier, and you said. Would you press the big red button? And I didn't answer the question, but your answer is an emphatic yes. Oh, you need to. Well, if you. Is that not the point that all prime ministers have to say they would? Because otherwise, what's the point of a nuclear deterrent? <laughs> <laughs> what's an all that you are. criticized for? And, that, and so you're preemptively, you're anticipating that question. Yeah. You 100% would have killed like 200,000 Japanese people. On the Japanese offense, I ever run for office. Mm. I didn't say, oh, not specifically Japanese. Just people. anyone. Oh, I imagine it'd be a targeted... If you instigated nuclear war, I suspect the entire population of Japan would be killed in the nuclear holocaust that followed. Would you go for Japan? No, as in everyone dies. Everyone dies. Everyone dies in nuclear Armageddon. I suppose so. The induced nuclear winter means that no sunlight can get through to Earth, so all the plants die. I'm I'm Scottish, so I can survive. (laughs) (laughs) I've grown up in Glasgow. Uh, I've got a vitamin D deficiency coming at my... Eyeballs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
I mean, Ava's not here, so we can just we can just do uh, a podcast episode reacting to Oppenheimer. So. Yeah, we can do that because <laughs> because because dudes rock. Um, so, what did you think of the film? Dudes do rock. Dudes it's do basically rock. just men, right? Famously, it did, that's what I, I genuinely <laughs> thought at one point. You know, when they go to Los Alamos, which for if you well, first of all, stop listening to this and go and watch Oppenheimer. <laughs> Right now. <laughs> right now, right now. But for, if you haven't seen it yet, Los Alamos is like the town that Oppenheimer created to research the bomb. Mm. I thought that just looks really fun. Yeah, <laughs> just just guys hanging out doing, doing experimental physics, molecular physics. Oh, there's a bar there. Did a Christmas party. That's <laughs> all we need. There's lots of like German immigrants just mm. having yeah. a good time. Yeah, yeah. It was good. I really liked it. I haven't seen Barbie yet. I want to see Barbie. No, isn't that violently misogynistic of us? I mean, we've said dudes rock about five times in the, <laughs> the opening <laughs> minute of I this. think we should preemptively apologise for having not seen Barbie. Soon though. Soon I will get it in there. I think many of us have had to sort of uh, negotiate to see Oppenheimer. You, you had to you give with one hand the other takes, you know, so there will be a, a Barbie a Barbie visitation. I've read a lot of critical analysis of Barbie yeah. without having seen it. Yeah, I feel unfortunately it's one of these things that you, you've already won, already has to take about mm. because of the, dis the, the discourse about it has been... And I, for one, think that Barbie is not a feminist icon, having not, se <laughs> having not seen the film. Um, no, uh, it was, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I liked Oppenheimer, obviously, tons of, like, examination of guilt, which I thought was great. Um, and I also quite enjoyed how the contrast between sort of big brain Oppenheimer and big brain Einstein versus, like, silly narcissist politicians, like... yeah. Truman and that Secretary of Defense and uh, Strauss. I thought it was if the the FBP take would be like Oppenheimer foregrounds expertise, which we've sadly lost in Brexit Britain. <laughs> um, Michael Gove would hate, yeah, absolutely hate that film. Um, no, I thought it was I thought it was fucking sick. Um, do you get so much else? Or uh, I went to a barbecue themed party, but without having seen the film, without having seen the well, okay. you don't you don't need to to be familiar with no, the oeuvre. I don't think there was any was there any political discourse happening there. What did the party think? Feminist or no, Barbie? I wasn't really talking about that, to be sure. honest. I think it was um, a, no, just a, it was just a, a normal party rather than not. Did the party have party. Did the party have any connection to Oppenheimer um, or anything I can, like that? I considered going as Oppenheimer because that would be funny. <laughs> You're so fucking in. That would be the most incel thing. <laughs> Everyone's there in pink. You turn up. You've like you've only eaten an almond a day to lose yeah. weight in yeah. preparation. <laughs> Why is it? How is so counterculture? Guy Ed Campbell is so cool. In, in a week. Uh, <laughs> um, but that was actually my, that was more a thing of I didn't really have anything to go as mm. for Ken. But sure, I do have a grey suit. You're a Ken. I'm a Ken. We're all Ken. Take that top off, man. Six pack. Fucking drop it on him. No, you had to do it to him. You oh, had to. You had to my no, I'm not saying now on the pod. I'm saying that, was my that could have been your outfit. Yeah, it could have been. You could have stunted on him. Could have been my one mm. almond a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your one almond a day rig, which is fantastic, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. Unhealthy. <laughs> um, no, I'm saying that because that's what Killian. No, I know. Yeah. No, I know. But I think like Killian Murphy has like obviously a really good metabolism to be in his forties and be that skinny anyway. Mm. I unfortunately am not blessed with maybe the same metabolism. <laughs> Did you enjoy the scene where he was sort of like sat naked in that chair like Rodan's thinker? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but then also when he appears in the boardroom, naked <laughs> as well. <laughs> I, that felt like an. Op no, actually, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. But that felt that felt quite. Um, I didn't really buy the like psych the psychology of that moment. I thought it was quite a cheap, cheap thing to it's like shocking. get it's the like two actors naked image. in that room. Yeah, it's um, old man. 
Yes, indeed. I got a bee sting this weekend. Did you? Yeah, for the first time <laughs> since my youth. This has really gone off the rails. <laughs> um, no, I just wanted to talk about this. It Ouch. doesn't. No, it doesn't hurt as much as I remember. I, either because I'm now a grown man, yeah, and have a higher tolerance of pain, or maybe I was just, you know, a little baby bitch boy when I was younger. They're sore though. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's in the worst place possible as well. If I can sh- show you, it's in there. You see how it's red there on the inside of my finger? Yes. So now, whenever I move my hand, it gets stuck to that. I'll tell you what, that is that is ouchy. Yeah, it was a big ouchy. That's seriously ouchy. It was a big old ouchy. Um, should we talk about politics no, for this the people? Is, no, We're probably enjoying this. Quite. This is this is, um, this is sick. Yeah. How's your dog? Uh, I don't have one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I used to. Nelson. Yeah. Great man. Great dog. Um, Nelson. No, he was uh, he was a family dog that lived with me during COVID. Oh, because fair. My wife works the NHS, so I was spending sort of 12 hours alone uh, at home. And he uh, he came and lived with me to company keep me company. For you. Yeah. Oh, he was an issue, when I, yeah, it was charming. When I returned to the office, um, the, the view was that it's too cruel to leave him sort of in there by himself. That's fair. So, yeah. Anyway. I buy that. Moving on. What have, you, what have you been up to in your working life? In my working life? Um, now we're pivoting listeners to the actual <laughs> podcast of <that> extended <laughs> intro. I quite like if, that. Yeah, it was good. If that didn't make the edit, <laughs> that was 10 minutes of nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, last week I went to the Teesside Cannabis Club. And Thursday. what were you doing for work? Oh, very good. Uh, yeah, so the Teesside Cannabis Club is one of many cannabis clubs operating in the UK, but they're the only one, one of the very few ones who are willing to go public about it. Mm. Where essentially you pay, I think it's like 50 quid a year. And for, um, you become a member of this club, which is on the high street in Stockton, has like a premises. And it looks like a, like a head shop. So you go in and they sell bongs. So it's not like heading and stuff. It's like, you nope, walk past, it says, you know. It's got, fro- it's got frosted glass on the windows. Sick. And it says, um, there's a logo. And it says, uh, it, it doesn't say Teesside Canvas Club. It says, if you know, you know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So you go so you go in and the front is um a, sh- a head shop where you can buy bongs, grinders, other stuff like a like a pre-roll that can hold 7 grams of weed. That sounds like a lot. I think it is a lot. Mm. I think it is a lot. Um and would one smoke that in one sitting? I, d- I can't imagine so. <laughs> <laughs> Not without dire consequences. <laughs> I think, I think you might never recover from that. Yeah. I think you'd be immediately sectioned. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, and then through the back, there's like a consumption room, essentially, which is... Where they smoke weed? Yeah, okay. which is like full of like psychedelic imagery, mm. um, lights. It's like, it's, it's like a social... It's like a pub, but for weed, except the club doesn't sell cannabis. Like they bring their own, can smoke it there. So isn't... Call me a narc. <laughs> It isn't this illegal. <laughs> so that's the interesting thing. Like, it's like ish. It's like ish. Kinda. It's like extra legal. Mm. So, so they're so they're not they're not they're not distributing cannabis themselves. The members are distributing it to each other. A lot of the members grow their own cannabis plants. So that's illegal. That's like illegal. possession's illegal though, right? Like it's a class B substance. Yeah, but but um. I suppose you're getting to the point why aren't the police like shutting, shutting this yes, down? Yes, that, right, right, that is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, in the development of the Cannabis Club, the founder is a guy called Michael Fisher. He became like a pro-cannabis activist in like 2014 and was doing some quite like renegade stuff. 
trying to be, he was like growing a, a, I mean, chia seeds, is that what I mean? Chia? Chia. Yeah. Or chia, hemp. Chia, hemp seeds, I suppose. Yeah, what, hemp, it would be hemp. He was like seeds, planting hemp else. seeds outside of police stations, like doing some quite stuff all on his own. Mm. And he met up with um, the Durham police chief, a man called Ron Hogg. Asked me up. What a name. Ron Hogg. <laughs> <laughs> Chief, in, Chief Superintendent Ron Hogg. Ron Hogg, here. Yeah. Get a crack down on cannabis. He sounds like he would be the type teams. of guy, yeah, that would crack down on cannabis. But nobody, he's actually the opposite. He um, met up with Michael and he, they came up with the model for the cannabis club because although uh, cannabis is a class B substance in the UK, police have their own discretion on how to police it. Mm. So Durham police, for example, were like, okay, well, People who are using cannabis in this way aren't problematic drug users. They're not being antisocial. What is the point in wasting police resources in um, in cracking down on these people? And so Michael worked with various police forces around the country to develop a model for the cannabis club, which he's, he's, he said if you did it in London, for example, set up like a similar thing, he would, you'd get like 50,000 members. There's like 700 or something in the stock two month. We said it's like a matter of time before this model hmm. takes off. Um, but he's, he's, he's had to kind of a new police commissioner, crime commissioner gets elected. Here's about the cannabis club. <laughs> it's like, what the what? fuck? <laughs> we are going to crack down on that. That's like an easy win. Presumably, easy yeah, well, yeah, win. presumably also you get elected as police crime commissioner and you're like, well, this must be why they elected me because these <laughs> fucking junkies yeah. on the high street. They're, they're in this shop front next to a fishing shop and they're ruining the fishing shop. Outrageous. Um, but what's interesting about the cannabis club is, is that they make the point it's not for like we guys in hoodies who go to go and smoke. It's for like, he said, the average user skews late 30s, 40s. And say you say you um, have chronic anxiety or another health condition, it's safer for you to join the cannabis club and to like go and consume cannabis in that environment rather than just like meeting a guy down the lane. And also you're not contributing to like organized crime. crime. Organized crime. Mm. So it's, a, it's, an it's like an interest, it's a more, it's an, it's an interesting approach to, Drug policy. What was the vibe like in the main room? Sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just a little like, it was like um, four or five of them. The average age, was, I would say, was like late 30s, 40s of the people smoking. One guy had a bong that cost a thousand pounds. Right. What, what, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, my immediate thought, and this is probably why I'm sort of becoming less and less relevant to the podcast audience, was that sounds enormously fiscally irresponsible <laughs> <laughs> um what did it have like decals like was, why is it, was, it, it why does it cost it, a had one, it had a really rare american morty sticker <laughs> yeah i understand <laughs> it was it was in it was glass it was like it was like a oh, it's like hand-blown glass piece of glassware and it had like did it look nice yeah for a bong i guess like it wasn't like it wasn't <laughs> like could you put it in a gallery would it count as art no it looks like a bong okay, it, right. it's, it's still very clearly a bong yeah um and then the confusing thing for me about that right is at uni, there was a guy who remained <laughs> nameless who um, got really into gravity bongs. So a gravity bong again? You sort of use. I had. I'm. I'm going to explain. I'm going to bastardize explaining this. Okay. I'm sure there's going to be someone who's not happy with how I've explained this. Uh, uh, and I'm by no means one of the key architects of the gravity <laughs> bong. But <laughs> essentially, he would get like a mop bucket and fill it with water. Then you get like a two liter bottle. Cut cut the bottom off it so it was kind of like a that would be your chamber. 
um, foil on top on the top of the bottle lid, poke the holes in it, weed goes on top, you light it, and then basically you the the bottle is like low in the water, and as the weed is cooking, can you smell what's cooking? Can you smell, can you <laughs> smell, smell the gravity bongs cooking? You ra- you you um, raise it above the water, which creates you know a vacuum, mm-hmm. so the smoke gets drawn into it, sitting on the water. You then take the foil off, put your mouth over it, and then submerge it again, and all of the the weed smoke goes into your lungs. So I think the complete operational cost of that is about a fiver, <laughs> not 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 exclude not not including the weed. Um, I guess you probably don't want to have to keep filling up a mop no. bucket. It was quite. I don't know. It was quite grimy there. Yeah, it was grimy. It yeah. was a scene in the kitchen. It's very like trailer park boys. Yeah, like, but I think that has a certain charm to it. But the charm of this is like it's like a. Can you be like a high functioning elite weed user? That's the question. I so. I, yeah, I think they were because Michael said the people who come in. There's re- so the people who were on camera smoking for us. They all either worked at the club or were like investors in. Um, there's like a they've licensed the <laughs> if you know you know logo that's making merit. So one TM. Guy, I don't know if it's T, I don't know if it's a TM, but mm. apparently they're making. Some serious cash off the licensing. What are we list. saying? Is it drippy? It's just like you get any I'll merch while you were there. I got a mug. Nice. It says, "If you know, you know." On it, I look forward to drinking from not in a gravity bong way. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's quite rude. I think that's exactly the first thing you should do with it. <laughs> I think that's the first thing you should. Uh, do. But so he, Mike, was making the point that the, the people, other members who would not want to be on camera, is because they are lawyers, doctors. Mm. Etc. Yeah, sorry. No, I, what I, I, you can obviously you can be high functioning and stoned. Um, but what I meant to say was, like, the kind of um, the drippy side of things. The let's check out my one gram bong. Yep. It, I don't. I feel like um, weed culture is quite far removed from that sort of ostentation. Mm. I don't know, unless it's like but, the, the bong is expensive because it just gets you so baked that it's worth. A thousand pounds. But, you know, but I think I think what's interesting about this is it's not it's not it's not best necessarily built into weed culture. Like the people people there aren't like hippie bros. They're seemingly like professional teasiders. And so maybe it is more demonstrative <clears throat> of their values to have a thousand pound bong rather than being like, check out my uh, half socks or something, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, key takeaways. What else? Anything else you sort of you learned while you were there? Do you think it would work elsewhere in the country? I think I think it would. I think the, the main point. So what's interesting is so they now operate as the Exhale Exhale Harm Reduction Centre, and so it's about um, removing the harm from drug consumption. And we we talk about this on the podcast quite a lot. We sure do. Hit drug consumption, and it was fucking blitzed every episode. <laughs> Uh, a, we, a, we do a lucky dip of pills before <laughs> I'm on 2CB right yeah, now uh, I won't remember this tomorrow <laughs> no. um, but there seems to be some exciting de- well, exciting positive developments in drug policy in the UK but it's only coming from users themselves yeah. so if we take the case of Peter Kraken I- my guy Hello, Peter. Again, <laughs> you're all, welcome to the Peter Peter Kraken podcast, where we talk about Peter Kraken and his achievements. The man who has the drug, who had the drunk drug consumption room in Glasgow. He was a problematic drug user. He's a injected heroin, and he came up with a good drug policy. Michael is a medical cannabis user. 
came up with a quite radical good drug consumption policy. Mm. And instead of listening to these people who are helping people in their community, they they have the empathy for um, drug users because they, they're, they're drug users themselves. And it's a shame that politicians or people at the top, people who have the the responsibility or the duty to kind of influence policy don't seem to be able to have that empathy. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. I, there's just a growing and increasing ever larger evidence base for um, a drug policy that decriminalizes at least, at least drug possession. And if not, you know, goes the whole hog and legalizes it. You know, there, there are pros and cons to either of those approaches. Mm. Certainly uh, prohibition does not appear to be working. I mean, no, it, it, it has not worked for a, a very, very long time. And so you're sort of left questioning, is it because they don't know what Portugal is? They <laughs> 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 will suddenly move the globe around ever yeah. so slightly. In, in a fucking Suella Braverman's office, uh-huh. which is unfortunately, yeah, it's, it's blocked by like the arm of the globe, yep. which doesn't know what it is. But, you know, uh, there, there, there are tried and tested proven methods of reducing drug deaths, reducing drug harms, um, improving police outcomes, not just because of the reallocated resource. I mean, it sounds like the the uh, Durham police have already reallocated the resource because <laughs> these guys are very much going. But um, do, you know, do you know what I mean? It's, uh, they're, 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 it, it's politics, basically. It's, it's because there's a stigma around drugs, drug use, uh, that people sort of view it as an antisocial thing rather than as a health matter, and as a result of which, until sort of Middle England softens to these issues, we're going to continue stigmatizing and punishing these people for for having a medical condition, mm. addiction. If if prohibition worked, there wouldn't be a cannabis club on Stockton High Street. That is correct. Yeah. So the, so it's it's already prohibited, mm. but there's a thriving business. Yeah. Literally, literally, on the high street. Yeah, and there's other things to consider as well. Like, Michael made the point to me that think how much tourism Amsterdam gets yeah. from weed tourism. And he was like, you could turn the northeast into the Amsterdam of the UK. Think about like, Do we want that? Do we not want that? Yeah, I don't know. Like, think think about like, the, the northeast has been like decimated post, in, post industry. There's not, a lot of, there's not a lot of good prospects there. Yeah. If the if the, if there's a, any industry, it would probably be welcome. So we need a load of stone stag dudes. Let's send them to Stockton. Yeah, I don't know. It's so close to Newcastle because it's like you know, the, Amsterdam obviously has thri- has a thriving tourism industry for all sorts of different reasons. And then there's kind of <laughs> <laughs> and then there's kind of like you know, there's the high culture one, there's the historical one, and then there's like young Brits who go there to get stoned and walk around the red light district mm. and. You can all do that. You, I learned a lot about Stockton. First, Hit me. First railway line in the UK. Okay. I think Stockton to Darlington. Nice. From the mines. Mm. Um, they had the Globe Theatre, where among p- people who performed there, the Beatles. This is like when, uh, we, went to, when we went to Hartlepool and found out that Ridley Scott studied at oh, the, yeah. studied <laughs> at the college, school. at the art school there. Ah. Uh, the, the obligatory um, Wikipedia Troll on yeah. the train up, but, my, but imagine um, you go to Hartlepool, mm. go to as an homage to or a pilgrimage to Ridley Scott, and then mm-hmm. you sit there and watch Alien, and buy the legal weed. Yeah, from Gaffy. Yeah, fine. Okay. No, I'm. I you know I'm. You know I'm broadly supportive of these things. I'm just. I don't know if 
I don't know if the way to advocate for it is to be like, yeah, we'll get a shitload of weed tourists coming to Stockton. <laughs> you guys will love this. It's so cool, Sam Sam as well. Very. That could be that could be fun. Yeah. How long is the ferry? Like thirty six hours or something? I don't know. I've never never done it. You could you could uh, just like hotbox the ferry, right? That's the that's uh-huh. the move. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's starting to sing to me now. <laughs> um, we should do that. Talking talking of. Um, Government policies uh, it can pl- flying completely in the face of all of the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Segway. Shall we talk about Rishi Sunak and his little trip to Scotland? Yes. This is this is what happens when the Scottish representation on the table becomes fifty percent. You crowbar a Scotland story <laughs> straight second in the running order. Uh, always shouting, shouting at the good people of BBC Scotland. Oh, one thing actually. When does the cannabis film come out? When when can people see it? That's a, this is me asking you for a deadline. I didn't really in a professional context <laughs> in front yeah. of our audience. Yeah, certainly by the end of the week. P- fantastic. Catch it on the yeah. Politics Show YouTube channel. Right. That that completely undid all of the nice segueing we did. Total rhubarb. It's the Politics Show podcast. Richard Sunak's in Scotland, Ed. Um, well, uh, should we just play the clip? Should we play? Yeah. Should we play the clip of him on Good Morning Scotland? Should we yes. just let's start there? Roll the clip. Um, I am being shouted at now to let you go because our time frustratingly has run out. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to speak to you at greater length at some point in in the near future to really get into some of these subjects. Let me, let me just ask you finally before you go: How are you getting up here to make this green announcement today? Private jet. Uh, I'll, I'll be flying as I as I normally would, and that is the most efficient use of my time. But again, I think actually that question brings to life a, a great debate here. If you or others think that the answer to climate change is getting people to ban everything that they're doing to no, stop people flying, to stop people going, to stop people going on holiday, I mean, I, I think that's absolutely the wrong approach. Right, that's absolutely the wrong approach. I, I mean, every Prime Minister before me has also used planes to travel around the United Kingdom because it's an efficient use of time for the person running the country so I can keep focusing on delivering for people. But if your approach to climate change is to say no one should go on holiday, no one should take no, on a plane, I think you, I think you are completely and utterly wrong. Am I? Right? That is absolutely not the approach to tackling climate there's change. There's a difference between travelling on a private are doing, jet what we are doing, What we are doing is, is investing in sustainable aviation fuel as one of the new technologies like car carbon capture and storage will, will, will help us make the transition. It's not about banning flying. It's about investing in new technologies like sustainable aviation fuel that will make flying more sustainable. That's the right approach to this. But I look forward to having okay. that conversation with you again. Well, Thanks listen, very much you, for having me. You co- we bye have bye. to let you go. Will you commit to coming back on and speaking Thanks to us so l- I think, longer I think this is the second time I've been on your show in the short space of time I've been Prime Minister, but I'm sure I'll be there again in the future. I hope Thanks so. very Richard much. Sunak, thank you very much indeed. Yet another British Tory Prime Minister falling foul of of uh, BBC regional radio station, <laughs> radio station. Um, he, Rishi Sunak, he just, I thought you, that's the side of him that I'm, the one I see, which is when he, when he gets like a bit of questioning he doesn't like, he gets really sort of pissed off and like snooty and almost, he feels it, it I feel like you see his entitlement. Mm. He's petulant. Mm. Yes, that's great. It's, it's, he's, he was huffing there. How, how you have you have the temerity uh-huh. to ask me how I travelled to Scotland this morning? Yeah, I've, I have the good grace to protect <laughs> Scotland's oil. <laughs> I do. <laughs> what do you like about this? What do you like about this? Um, so you touched on there, right? He's up there 
Well, he's up there. I think there's some like big kind of like green convention. It's like Energy Week or something. Yeah, it's Energy Week, and so <laughs> it's not, uh, cool. Yeah, uh, sure. It's Energy Week. It's Energy Week, and so they've announced a uh, hundred new licenses <laughs> for oil and gas in the North Sea, and yeah. that I'm not even fucking hamming it up. That is true. That is what's happening. Yeah. Um, run me through it, Ed. <laughs> run me through the run me through the thought process. So it's good because we all know climate change is a myth. Yeah, and there's no need to wildfires in Greece. Wildfires in Greece. Made up. Nothing wild about them. <laughs> Nothing wild about them. The only thing that's wild about them is those arsonists. <laughs> those arsonists are wild, aren't and they? they? Be in jail. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, no, yeah, no. Uh, nationwide. You know, continent-wide drought. Absolutely fine. Made up. Absolutely fine. Burn the oil. Do do I don't have any drought because of this delicious pint. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm going to burn the oil at both ends. Burn that oil candle at both ends, baby. Chew, fucking chew. Yep. Uh, polar bears. Yeah, fine. Fine. Fuck them as well also, though. Think both. Animals they are, are both fine and also fuck them. <laughs> I don't care. Think how many animals are already extinct. Yeah, I mean, let's add a few more to that list, yep, let's baby. let's kill the remaining tigers. Yeah, what about the dodo? Shit. Fuck it, you know? <laughs> Just polar bears. Do you know what's a rubbish freeze? Dead as a dodo. Do yeah. a better freeze? Dead the, as a polar bear. Yeah, exactly. Rolls off the tongue. Far better, that one, doesn't it? Yep. Um... I don't know what to say about this. It's so stupid. It's like, it's so... <laughs> so, so, so someone made a good point. Like, why would Rishi Sunak believe this? I think it was in a, a column in The Economist basically making the point, why is Rishi Sunak doing these things? Because he genuinely believes this. Mm. Like, this, yeah. like this, this doesn't appeal to the electorate. I think this appeals to Rishi Sunak. He's an extraordinarily, like, right-wing person oh yeah big time and so big doing time. he's always been he's always been far more right wing I think really than any of our most recent conservative prime ministers we yep. may there's maybe a question but you know but at least like may, hard brexiteer may threw a bone to trans people at least yeah self-ID self ID stuff yeah and he, then he blocked it right oh, um, and then he, from Scotland yeah he's um, he's a social and fiscal conservative um, he is for sure I just don't you know the arguments they trot out about this right that we need um, we need this oil and gas so that we can hit net zero by 2050. Yep. It takes between sort of 20 and 30 years to online. All, the, 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 re, all of the research wait, shows. Wait, when is it? Yeah. How yeah. many years away is it? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's 27 years away. So there's quite a strong chance that, that that's how long it takes, right, from licensing uh. to, to production and, and the extraction of the, the fossil fuel, right? So... They'll come online just in time for net zero, which is great. Uh, second of all, then, they say um, they don't want us to be susceptible to uh, the energy policies of dictators like Vladimir Putin. Um, We're going to export most of the oil. That's, that's genuinely what's going to happen. Also, it will have absolutely no bearing on the price of the oil, which can be um, influenced by the likes of, I don't know, uh, Mohammed bin Salman or Vladimir Putin. Is that you popping your pen again? It was a, no, it was a cable program. Your mic live? Can you? No. No, but I'm okay. Yeah. Reassuring. Um, let's let's continue. Um, <laughs> uh, because we sell it on an international market, the prices are international market prices for all. So it will do absolutely nothing for our f to insulate us from. Let's say I don't know. MBS wants to turn off the taps in Saudi Arabia. We're still going to be fucked. Least of all, <laughs> least of all, <laughs> that there is a wide scientific consensus that burning fossil fuels is warming the planet. Yep. And the idea that you can, the, the mental gymnastics these people are going through, saying, 
do you know what is going to help us? They're, they're literally laughing in your face, Ed. You yeah. specifically. They're saying yeah. to you, we're going to hit net zero. Do you know how we're going to do it? Burn more fossil fuels. You are a genius. And there's one, there's one more. Sorry, there's one more thing I'd like to say. Um, the IEA, not that one, different IEA. Okay. International, I've got it on my notes, International Energy Agency. They're like, they're, they, are, they are the the body for international energy policy. They commissioned a report into this. They actually did. They looked into it and they said, is it possible? Does licensing new oil and gas, new fossil fuel consumption, will that take us any closer to meeting our 1.5 mm. degree target? Mm. I'll give you three guesses. What did the report say? Oh, yeah, I know it's hard. It said, it said no. It said no. Oh. It, it said no. It won't help, Ed. Do you know who commissioned the report? Who? The British government. <laughs> <laughs> ahead of COP26. It's just galaxy brain. It's complete galaxy brain. It's just, I, 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 to your point about Rishi Sunak being sort of uh, the most right-wing Prime Minister we've had mm. in a long time, I agree. And I don't see anything beyond this. It's just your classic sort of extreme right capitalist view of we can make money extracting and selling the oil. So fuck the environment. Fuck yeah. the polar bears. Join the dodo. <laughs> Job it's, fucking done. It's. I know this will have been planned long before Uxbridge, mm. but it seems to be there's been a move post Uxbridge by election where cause conservatives won it. They're taking they're they're taking that as being oh, people hate the environment and green policies. That that seems to be the discourse around it. It's, it's, it seems to be. Yeah, is about air quality, but it's also kind of emblematic of green policies mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. And if a thousand people hadn't voted for the Green Party, then yeah. we, would, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Mm -hmm. It's is it Oxbridge? Is it their fault? Yeah, <laughs> it is actually. It's uh, the people of Oxbridge. It's, so, it's just so like let's blame them for frustrating. This. Yeah, I um, and it's also it's also just it's it's nonsense, right? Like uh. It's difficult. I was going to invoke polling, right, which uh, universally indicates that there's a, a, a large majority of the of the population that sort of you know uh, care about climate, ch mm -hmm. the environment, climate change as a as a political issue that they want to see policies to address it. But you have have to be careful because with all polling, it kind of can it goes both ways. And once you actually drill down into, so you, you have that broad question, right? Where you say, do you agree that you know the environment is a key political issue for you? And they go. Um, yes. And do you think we should do something about it? Yes. And then when you get into the polling and it's like individual measures to address climate change. So I don't know, for example, um, forcing everyone to buy electric cars or, you know, mandating that you have to separate the metal from the paper in your recycling at gunpoint. People go, actually, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and and it's, it's like, so it's difficult. But yeah, broadly speaking, people do care about the environment. People do care about climate change. And um, politically, I, I don't... I mean, he clearly thinks there's political gain for him in doing this, right? He might he wouldn't even be bad, doing but it. But maybe he's bad at politics. He is the Prime Minister. But, but, he was a, but the, he was made Prime Minister by the Parliamentary Conservative Party. Yeah. He, didn't, he lost Liz Truss. Imagine losing to Liz Truss. That's embarrassing. Isn't, isn't it? like... Maybe he just sucks. Does he suck? That was interesting. Yeah, he does suck, yeah. With... Because um, in that leadership contest that he lost to Liz Truss... She had the vibe, I think we've spoken about this before, but she had the vibe of being the right winger. Mm -hmm. She had the, yeah. the like daughter of Thatcher, Remainer, like the, all of, she, she, as in she is a Remainer. She's not of the hard right of the party. And Rishi ended up with this kind of, 
uh, sort of like le lefty lovey liberal image, mm -hmm. whereas in actual fact he's like he's a city boy yep. who's made a shit ton of money, mm -hmm. backed Brexit from day one, believes passionately in Brexit, and look how that's going for the to sort of give you a sense of the caliber of his political thinking. Um, but for some reason, everyone w was convinced that that actually he was he was the he was the soft one. He was the he was the more liberal of the two. And in actual in actual fact, I don't think that was the case at all. I think he's far 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 more to the right than she was. Mm -hmm. Is yeah, no, I think you're right. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Get out of my pub! It's the Politics Show podcast. This is a pivot anyway, because you started talking about green policies, right? So we can now... Well, let's 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 tie this in, right? Um, Sunak flew to flew to Scotland in his private jet yep. to make this announcement, which shows you how much he cares about motorists. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> no, he he, he, he cares so much about motorists when he's flying in his fucking private jet well, and his helicopter, looking over. At yeah, the he cares about he cares about the aerial view of your car. It's it's disgusting. <laughs> it appalls him when he looks out oh. of the window. Um, totally bird shit. And as a, and as yeah, and as a result. Rishi Sunak is ordering a review of, quote, anti-car schemes across the country. Oh, big intake of breath there, Ed. Is it, who's this for? <laughs> the RAC? Uh, yeah. Is it for, it's for Formula One fans? Yeah. And for people who wear Ferrari clothes? Yeah. yeah. It's like... Well, it's for... And for everyone else who drives a car. But I, th I think it's like the short-termism... It is for... It. I'll tell you exactly who it's for. It is for the over 80% of all journeys made in the UK, which take place in a car. That's who it's for. Mm -hmm. That is who it's for. Um, and one of the sort of, I guess one of the things that really frustrates me, frustrates me about all of this, um, is the sort of, <laughs> the power of the motoring lobby. Uh, the <laughs> big, big car. Um, no, it's like phrasing these things as uh, anti-car schemes, right? They are actually they're pro-human schemes. And when he's what he's talking about, right? He's talking about ULES and low traffic neighborhoods, um, and probably that's it. So basically, schemes that are intended to reduce the amount of nitrogen dioxide in the air, which mm. the NHS estimates kills an additional twenty-eight thousand people every year in the country. So when you say anti-car, what you mean is pro-human, and what you're essentially saying is no. 
you should die so that <laughs> I can drive so that I can drive to school. Yeah, to the shop. Yeah. Um which is which is mental. I mean like uh, what's a good com comparison, you know? Um e-scooters. We talk about e-scooters, people want them banned. I think most of them are banned. Or in, you in some way, you can't drive them on there's the fucking road. tons of them yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not being like get rid of the fucking e-scooters, <laughs> but you know. Anyway, so huge amounts of um, political attention, media attention, loads of debates surrounding these things. They barely kill anyone, and I know that's not exactly a good campaign slogan. But also, if they do, it probably involves a car. Yeah, do you know? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what does kill a load of people? Cars. <laughs> <laughs> um, globally, cars kill more people than AIDS now. You know, that, this is what we're talking about. They they write people off, and yet we're the the because eighty percent of these journeys take place in cars. People can't comprehend or understand that they think that by being taxed, i.e., you're going to have to you know pay some co pay some of the costs for this because you keep putting people in hospital mm. with your driving mm. with your emissions hey <laughs> <laughs> with your um uh, actually and this is another side to it as well um is obesity you know i, I think it's a, a a third of adults in england live a sedentary life non-active sedentary lifestyle and it's because you get out of bed where you, it's not, you've not been sitting down in bed but you've been lying down right mm. so actually it's probably the most extreme form of sitting down <laughs> <laughs> right yeah <laughs> now fair play you walk to the shower yep i don't mind sitting down in the shower you've got a nice little you know sit down shower seat some people have that but anyway i'm getting i'm getting sidetracked right you get in your car you drive to work you sit in your office chair you drive back to work and then after a long hard day of sitting down you then sit on the sofa to relax and then again the extreme version of sitting down you lie down to get yep, to yep. bed <laughs> and you see and you live this sedentary lifestyle there are there are huge negative health outcomes not just for the people that are outside the cars but the people that actually drive them as well and if you're not going to do anything about it if you're not go if in fact if you're going to say no actually ULEZ is bad what you're essentially saying to those people around the, the car uh, that's polluting is your lungs are subsidizing the car if they're not going to pay mm. That's that's what you're advocating. For. Your lungs are a price I'm willing to pay. Yeah, that's <laughs> magnanimous. This car. It's absolutely magnanimous of you. And I know I know people get super super angry about this, and it's and that's that's actually kind of the point because we've um, sort of organised, planned, and then developed cities, particularly most sort of cities and urban developments, where it is impossible to imagine living without a car mm. because you know the supermarket is in the suburbs the shopping center is out of town but it doesn't have to be like that no and we've become so reliant on car driving you know what what about um children right a safe safe public spaces for them for them to play and be outside their roads are full of cars the elderly when they're no longer fit to drive no longer have access to all, all of these places mm -hmm. so I don't think it's ideal or good that we are as reliant on cars as we are and to to sort of um to fixate and defend on them it's like it's it's cheap and easy po politics mm -hmm. but i think that speaks to i think i've made this point before yeah you're right it's we should be thinking in grander schemes and we should be able to like 
think about a world in which every part of the UK has adequate and great public transport. But it doesn't. And I think the British public lacks the imagination or appetite for that change. Mm. The, most ra- the most radical policy platform of the last you know, half century was re- like rejected vehemently. And it was kind of ridiculed, being like, <laughs> you want free broadband for everybody. <laughs> well, obviously, there's other things, other, other factors going to why Corbyn lost that election. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, people weren't, oh, I don't like Corbyn, but I love that manifesto. Mm. I, th- I think, I think there, there, uh, <clears throat> a political project like that would just not get off the ground because people would be like, oh, it's, it's people, people, what, who is it? Is it um, Trash Future? Talk about like the Britain is like the Soviet Union, except nothing works. Yeah, I think it's like we've just like oh, you'll have nothing for breakfast and be happy about it. Yeah, take your medicine. And do you know what that makes me think? What Britain today would not build the atomic bomb. Yeah, one hundred percent. You're so right. <laughs> You're so right. Think think about like gen, gen, genuinely. Because we're too. We are fucking. We're we're dumb. <laughs> we don't we don't understand particle physics. We don't don't get it. it. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense to me. Does, can, a, can a particle drive a car? Don't think so. Useless. Useless. Absolutely fucking useless. Uh, second of all... Your hat's so, weird. Yeah. Weird hat. Yeah, your hat is weird. Your hat is weird, son. Hmm? Don't like that. She's a communist. She's a fucking communist. Get out of... You're, you, go, you're going to prison, Sonny. You're going for prison. Is that Laura Pidcock there? The yeah, communist? Out, outrageous. Outrageous. And you know what? Your magic socialist grandpa, he wouldn't press the big red button because you because you and all you socialists, you're fucking pussies. Yep. You, you ain't got the minerals. You ain't got the minerals to wipe out life on Earth. Um, you know, Harry fucking Truman. <laughs> I, think, I think it's actually a genuine analogy there. If you think about the Nazis winning World War II as analogous to climate change, and like the end of the human race as we know it. So what America did was they put all the smartest people in the world, dedicated them to one project, gave them $2 billion in mm. 1945 money, which is... Mm. a lot of money. A gazillion pounds? Mm-hmm. A gazillion dollars? That's actually the money. exchange rate, yeah. Yeah, it's a gazillion. <laughs> uh, and they gave them resources to because it was seen as like an existential issue about life as we know it. We have, we, we have one of them. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... and we're like, oh, we need to get that oil out of the fucking ground, brother. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, I was, I, I refrained from making the gag, but when you asked me, do you ever think about what would have happened if the Nazis won World War II? Uh-huh. And I was going to say yes all the time, but then decided that saying, basically implying making a joke that I was a big fat Nazi was improper. So I didn't say it, but I've, anou- <laughs> I've, announced, I've, announced, I've announced that I have. Um, no, this is, um, this is Cheem's mindset. Yep. This is, this is actually what it is. Um, this is, we, we used to be a country that made things, Ed. Um, you know, America put a man on the moon and built a bomb that could kill every single fucking person oh, on this planet. Down. Yeah. Uh, well, we've, we've done some pretty like, sh- shady shit as well. Like a uh, fucking blur. But... <laughs> <laughs> that was 30 years ago, man. Yeah, that's it. This is it. Oh, great. No. Um, the, 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 the argument goes, um, Britain was once a nation, not saying this is a good thing, uh, that built a ginormous em- empire that colonized a third of the planet, and now we can't build 200 miles of high-speed rail. What the fuck is wrong with us? Um, and I'm, we I'm broadly in agreement. Cambridge. Yeah. The scientists would have nowhere to live. <laughs> Yeah. We're doing something about that. I don't know if you heard. But they don't want but they don't they don't want to. <laughs> Some be like 
<laughs> they're like scientists shouldn't have anywhere to live and also not be here mm. you okay no I it's fucking shit yeah frustrating um right <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's probably I think that's probably it to be honest with you um we kind of we're out of topics um you know, do more Oppenheimer uh, you know, I was at Hackney City Farm yesterday <laughs> okay and there's this big pig there. I think it was like a, a sow that just had piglets. Love that. And it was it was huge. I think it weighed like 300 kilograms or something. Which is thick. Thick pig. Mm. And <laughs> there was a wee girl and her mum there. And there was a football in the pig pen. And the, <laughs> the, the wee girl went, why is there a football there? And the mum went, oh, pigs love to play football. And the wee girl went, oh, I didn't know pigs like playing football. And in the same breath, she went, and that's a big old fat <laughs> Nice. It's kind of analogous to nothing, but I just thought. What a place to end it. I love that. A shaggy dog joke that was not particularly funny, but. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's so rude. I laugh lately at your jokes. <laughs> yeah, true. I, 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 I wonder if people can tell. I actually have different types of laugh. One of which is forced, one of which isn't. And sometimes you can tell when you listen to the podcast for a second There's time. There's going to be someone on the subreddit trolling through mm. each. Identifying each. Yep. Oh, this is, a good, this is a good opportunity to plug the subreddit. Yeah, join the subreddit. Join the subreddit, a growing community of um, memes. Memes? There's some, good faith, there's some good faith discussion on there as well. There is. We do talk about some of the substantive issues in the pod, but mostly it's jokes and people complaining about my takes. So You've been fine this episode, I think. Let's talk about Charlotte Owen. Let's close. <laughs> let's, let's close out. She should drop. <laughs> she would press the big red oh, button. 100%. Her and Ross Kempsell straight yeah, away in the House of Lords. Give them the fucking button. Absolutely, they would do it. Would Kieran May there? No, no, there's no way he does. No, that. no way he does that. No. no, they didn't teach him that on the PPE course at Oxford. <laughs> um, actually, that's us. I, I think, think so. Ed. Yeah, a pleasure. A pleasure to do this with a you. Pleasure. Um, See you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, I reckon you'll also enjoy Unfiltered, our interview podcast. Here's a little taste of the episode with Gary Lineker. I love my life. I enjoy, I enjoy fame. People are lovely. It's so easy to be distracted by the tiny percentage on, on Twitter. In the real world, it's not like that at all. I think I've had only two instances in my entire life where people have had a pop. One old lady elbowed me in my back. <laughs> She was on her way to a Tommy Robinson rally. Really? Yes. Okay, that nice. old lady, she gave me, oh, lady car. Something like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And then I had another one where I was going shopping, my groceries, and some bloke shouted out of the road, you hate Britain? You hate Britain, don't you? I'm going, no, I really love Britain. But anyway. That's Unfiltered with Ollie Dugmore, wherever you get your podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.